message for us, but there's a lady with us tonight who was with us for the last time, at least for a couple of weeks anyway, and that's Lynn Stokes. So Lynn, would you like to come and join me and Pastor David Butterfield and Pastor David Daniels? And you're going to come and share. You weren't ready for this, but it's appropriate and nice for us, I think, uh, for the church to be informed of what's going on and for us certainly to pray for you and other folk can come as well it doesn't have to just be us so what you're doing where you're going when's it happening well next sunday i'll be in seoul at this time um so i'll be flying out in the morning um to vladivostok which is in russia to um serve god in taking his love to the orphans over there and for how long are you going i'm going for two weeks so i'll be back the sunday two weeks after that Done this before? No. First time? First time. Scared? Uh, a little. <laughs> Excited? Yes. <laughs> At the same time? Yes. What's the best thing we can pray for you? Um, just for safety and that, um, yeah, I'll be a blessing to the orphans. What are you exactly going to do? You're going to go and you're going to an orphanage, you're going to work, hold kids, love, um, love kids, feed kids? Do activities with them taking games, taking equipment. So thank you everyone who's put in to the box out there for me. I've got a lot of stuff. I've packed my bag today and praise God um, we were given, the Korean Airlines has given us um, two bags at 23 kilos. Wow. So I packed one with all the stuff that everyone has given and it's about 20 kilos. So praise God. Excellent. He knows what he's doing, doesn't he? Would you like to step in the centre? Not that you like the spotlight. Does anybody else want to come, stand, pray, or just stand? How about you stand? You can come down here if you want to, but you don't have to. But everybody stand, if you're able to stand. David, Pastor, would you like to pray? Sure. Oops, sorry. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you tonight that we were able to bring our sister Lynn to you and ask that, uh, Lord, you'll just continue to embrace her, to fill her heart with your love and with your word and, Lord, with her readiness and her availability to you and that's what you ask us to be, is available to you and uh, Lynn is demonstrating this and we thank you that as a church we're able to get behind her, support her, uh, to lift her up uh, to your throne of grace, Lord, not just now but during the whole time. Help us, we pray. Put the burden of this lady on our hearts and uh, may we lift her up to your glorious throne. And uh, we pray that the windows of heaven will be open, that you'll pour out a blessing through Lynn upon the people that she'll minister to in Russia. Lord, even one that uh, we cannot bear, such a blessing we pray you'll pour out. So we thank you for Lynn. We thank you for her love for you. And Lord, that she's able to go into this land. Thank you that you've opened the doors for her. And uh, Lord, it's just like the doors that you've opened in heaven and you've invited Lynn to come and she's heard your voice and she's coming, Lord. And uh, thank you that you're the God who has gone before her to prepare the way. And uh, we look forward to hearing the amazing stories that will come uh, just through Lynn being there, Lord. And, and uh, so we just thank you. And Father, we may not hear everything and uh, we just trust you that you're going to sow seeds into many lives as Lynn goes and uh, that there may be seeds watered and Lord who knows that you might even bring a harvest through your servant as well so we lovingly commend it to you and uh, we look forward and uh, Lord with anticipation 
trust you and say thank you for what you're going to do through this servant of yours as we commend her lovingly into your almighty hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Could I have my helpers up, please? And I need one more. Anybody who's coming to Kids Club can come and help me. One person. Spread out. Sorry. Um, apologies to people who've been to um, either the 8.30 or the 10.30 service this morning. This is just a repeat. Um, it won't be exactly the same because I never do anything exactly the same. Um, these lads here are my helpers and um, they're going to help me with this Kids Club announcement. There is one week to go to Kids Club. Um, and last week we had training night and we learnt some strategies about sharing Bible stories and one of them was... Um, have the children actually supply sound effects through the telling of a Bible story. And so it sort of became a bit of an interactive experience. And so this is an announcement that is interactive and you're going to share in the experience. So if you could hold up your sheets, please. Three, uh, sorry, four different sound effects. Um, when one of them or more get held up, it is up to you to provide that sound effect. So perhaps we might have a little rehearsal. Can you put them down, please? Okay, someone put one up. Oh, I can tell you're going to be brilliant. Okay. As you can see, the church is transforming itself into a circus. Many people have been hard at work already. Let's thank them. There are 150 children registered, registered for Kids Club. Wow. There are spaces for 50 more. <laughs> Please, if you know anybody that has children that might like to come to Kids Club, invite them. Online registrations are open until Thursday midnight. The spaces on the whiteboard in the foyer are nearly full. Thank you for your generosity, but there are still some place, there are still some spaces to fill. Someone might go hungry. Probably won't be these boys. Please continue to pray for Kids Club. Pray for good weather. Pray for safety on site for the 300 plus people who'll be here every day. And pray for the children's hearts to be prepared to hear about God's love for them. And pray for children to accept Jesus as their saviour. Thank you. You have been great helpers.
I think the applause sign should, should still be up, shouldn't we? You need to give them a clap, eh? I don't know about you, but one of the things I'll enjoy doing is watching movies, and uh, I'm sure that many of us here watch movies and enjoy them, but especially when it comes up and it has the sort of little uh, thing that you're introducing it, say this movie is based on a true story. And that really gets my attention because I know I'm not just dealing with some sort of novel that's been put into a movie, but it's actual real-life story of, of actual people that have actually lived and actually did things. And then, uh, even though the story may not be, the movie may not be quite as interesting, it may not be, have the same amount of drama in it that some of the other movies have, it may not have some of the action that some of the other movies have, but nevertheless, it's, it's really, it really touches me. And it makes me think, well, when we read the Bible, we're dealing with actual true things. Sometimes when we read the Bible, because we live in a world where we're in so much fantasy and so much make-believe, it's easy to, to think, well, you know, is it really true? Well, the Bible is actually based on factual information. It's based on accurate history. It's based on real places with real people. The things did actually happen and sometimes uh, the Bible tells it very clearly in uh, you know, uncertain terms, it just, it just tells it as it is. And sometimes some people might even get offended by that, but that's the, that's the fact, isn't it? And so the, the passage that we've read from Romans tonight actually comes from a church that actually did exist back in the first century. It's not just fabricated, it's not just made up, it's an actual place where actual real people were actually living at the time. And actually Paul was the, as he wrote to the, the church at, from Corinth to the, the church at Rome and uh, while he was doing some missionary journeys and was planning to go to Jerusalem and, and he was writing to them and telling them how he'd like to come and visit them and, and on his way across to Spain. Uh, he was writing to this church that was made up of a, two different main groups of people that were really in conflict in, you know, in many ways with each other there was a, a church with you know one of the things is that your background you know the the background that you the light way you've grown up and the things that you've learned and your experience of life uh, as you've grown up affects the way that you think and the way that you believe and the church at Rome was made up of some people that came from a, a Jewish background they had a long tradition of of religion and history of God at work amongst them they had an old testament that they referred to and they had a whole lot of beliefs and uh, they and they had a whole lot of practices and they had and their 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 faith and their belief in God uh, affected the whole way that they lived every area of their life in many ways and so they had this background and this tradition. And then there were those who came, became Christians from, from the pagan world, from the, the Gentiles, a non-Jewish background. And they also had varying histories and varying backgrounds. And they were all together in this church at Rome. And so Paul is writing to this church. And of course, last week we were reading about how that, you know, that, that there is neither Jew nor Greek and circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. And it told them as God's chosen people to, to clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience, patience, bearing with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another, forgive as the Lord forgave you. 
and above all these virtues put on love which binds everything together in perfect unity and we talk that we're talking about the relationships with one another and we're going to be talking about that same subject tonight about the relationships between one another and we're going to be talking about a church that that struggled with this that struggled with their relationships now you know there are Probably if you think in terms of the book of Romans, the, the verses that many people will know would say like Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. He's good and pleasing and perfect will. And he goes on in that same, well, I'm sort of started into chapter 12. We're going to be, and I'm going to be jumping over to chapters 14 and 15 in a moment. But he's, he's sort of talking to this church. He'd gone through all of the, the theology about the gospel and now he's getting on to some, some practical things of the way in which we should live our Christian lives, the way in which this, the Christians at Rome were being exhorted to live their Christian lives. And one of the things is that he's, he's encouraging them to, to follow the Lord. And he, says, he tells them in this passage, don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather thinking of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. And he goes on and he talks about the different spiritual gifts that they've been that are given to each other. He's already he's sort of introducing, he's going to come to the subject where he's going to say, look, you need to be showing love to one another. And that whole thing of, of showing love to one another was based on the, the Lord's command. He said, and Jesus said, a new commandment I give you to love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And this is a recurring theme in, in many parts of the New Testament. I'm just going to quickly just refer to a few passages. We're going to start with the one in Romans and we're going to, I'm going to just re refer to a few others in other parts of the New Testament. Because in Romans chapter 12 and verse 9 it says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honour one another above yourselves. So he'd said that in chapter 12. And in other parts, in, because in you go to the other parts of the New Testament, in 1 Thessalonians it says, Now about brotherly love, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you, do not, you love all the brothers throughout Macedonia. God had been at work in their lives and God was teaching them to love one another. Another passage, another verse in Hebrews that says, keep on loving each other as brothers. And in 1 Peter, it talks about showing respect for everyone, love the brotherhood of believers, fear God and, and honour the emperor. And then in 2 Peter, it says about a whole lot of things in your, to build, to, he's encouraging these people to go on in their Christian life. He says, he says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. Brotherly love, is this, kindness is, a, 
you know, it could be translated brotherly love. It says, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there's just a quick resume, a, a quick summary of, of some of the, the verses that talk about loving one another in the New Testament. We could talk at length about that. There's lots of scriptures that talk about that. But let's go back to the book of Romans. And let's just talk a little bit about the, the book of Romans and, 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 where, and lead into this passage that we've read this evening. One of the things is that Paul was encouraging this church, these group of believers, to make sure that they were showing love to one another, even though there was a lot of tension there. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Because one of the things is that we know that when we are become Christians... It talks about how in 2 Corinthians, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature, new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And all of these believers in Rome had experienced this. Those that had come from a, a Jewish background and those that had come from a non-Jewish background were there in this church, serving God together, seeking to live for God. And the Spirit of God was at work in their lives and was helping them to, to grow in their faith and their knowledge of the Lord. But they had some, some things in their, the back of their mind that were really hindering them from going on and living for God. And so Paul wants to address these. The thing was that they had this idea. The Jews wanted, they had, you know, they had this long tradition. Now what can they give up from their old Jewish ways? Now they're Christians. Some of them were trying to keep all of the Jewish rules. And they had lots of them. One of the things about rules is, if you've got a set of rules, it knows exact, you know exactly what you can and can't do, don't you? You know, if, I, you know, if you've got certain, wherever you go in life, there are rules. If you're driving on the road, there are rules that you're supposed to abide by. And if you don't abide by them, uh, the camera that's just down there in Gowan Road, down the dip, dip, dip there, if you're speeding too much, and some of us may have even been caught by that. I fortunately haven't, but uh, that's only by the grace of God, I think, because I try, although I try to keep, up to the, keep the speed limit, but some of us may have even been caught by that. The rules of the road. Those of you who go to school, there are... Uh, school rules aren't there I can remember when I was teaching RE a number of years ago I was talking to a group of grade sevens I said well what, let's make up some rules for our class and we started we put some down the, the rules and uh, and uh, the consequences if you do if you break the rules just as well those kids weren't in charge of the class that because the, some of the the rules and some of the punishment were quite extreme in my mind I thought boy I, I'm, I don't think that you're really serious about this because they they gave me some really strict rules and some really severe punishments. Now, that's true. If you've got rules, there's a sense of if you break them, there's punishment. If you keep them, there's possibly rewards. And in some ways, it's, it's easy, easier than to say, well, you just pray about this and see what God wants you to do. You just ask God, what is, what's the right way to behave in this particular situation? And that's, what, that's essentially what was happening there at Rome. They, they, they had the, the, the Jewish Christians had all these rules about food and what meat and what meats they could eat and, 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 and all those sorts of things about whether it's right to eat, even eat meat. And so they, they had these, these rules they were, they were seeking to live by. And so when Paul writes to them, 
In Romans chapter 14 and verse 19, he said, Let us make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. He says it's better not to eat meat or to drink wine or do anything else that will cause a brother to fall. He's saying, hey, if you've got rules, it's better not to, not to get, get all sort of up about this, you know, get all sort of uptight about this thing. It's better you know, whether you can eat meat or can't eat meat whether you can eat this food or whether you should worship on this particular day and the Jews had lots of special days that they, and they, some of the Jewish Christians were caught up in this bind. Which of these things shall, shall we continue with and which of these things shall we drop? And it was causing... And of course, those who came from the, background, from the, the Gentile background, well, we're Christians. We've got a new... Relate. We don't need to keep, do, worry about all of this stuff. And so there was this tension. There was these one lot of people were saying you've got to keep these rules and another lot of people saying don't worry about it. And so there was a great amount of tension. Now, I've, 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 made, I've made it very simple. I've, I've probably made it very simplistic, but it was, you know, there, there was, you know there's the Bible, the New Testament, that was the big issue for the New Testament, Christians. Which of the Jewish things should they keep with and which of the Jewish things should they let go? And they had, even had a conference back in Acts chapter 15, and you can read about that, where they made a, a ruling about the keeping of the Jewish laws and so on. And so here, Paul is saying, look, you've got to make every effort to lead to you know, peace and mutual edification, things that are going to be helpful to each other, that is going to build other, other people up in their Christian life. And then he goes on, then we read the passage we've got to we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak, not to please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbour for his good to build him up. Even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. So here it is, these strong people saying, well, I don't have to worry about all of this stuff. I know, I know that I'm a Christian, and I know that old idol, that's nothing, it doesn't mean anything. Now, you know... I don't know that we've got too many modern equivalents of it today, but, but sometimes in, when, it, in, I, when I became a Christian, the church that I became, you know, I, was, I just was 18 years of age, knew nothing about the church, knew nothing about what, what was you know, expected of a Christian, and suddenly there I am with these group, in, in this youth group at church, at a, at a, church at a brethren church at Anala, and I was attending this church, and suddenly the, you know, the the group pressure, there are certain things that you don't do, you know, that it's not appropriate for Christians to do. That was because in this particular church, they were very protective of the church and they were very protective of what people might think of the church. And they're saying that you've got to be careful about your witness for the Lord and you've got to be careful that you don't hinder non-christians from from coming to the lord so therefore there is we you know they had these unwritten rules of all these things that you didn't do and if you didn't do and they were including things like you don't go to the movies you don't go to dances you don't go don't do this and you don't do that and you don't do that, and a whole list of things that you don't do and that was the culture that i was brought into and i think i i couldn't understand all this because some of those things were part of my way of life. And I couldn't see anything wrong with some of those things that they were talking about. And so I got this idea, and that's what the sort of thing that these Roman people were saying, that Christianity is made up of the, you know, really 
of these rules that you stick to. And so that was my introduction to Christianity and it took me a number of years to work it out. And I went from the pendulum of being at going along with all this stuff and being caught up to you know, follow all of those things and then eventually sort of working it out for myself that the, the, and trying to get a balance in my life about because Christianity is not about rules. It's about our relationship with the Lord. It's about following the Lord and living by, his, living by the word of God and living under, the, control, under the, the ruling of the word of God, not by what people say. And so one of the things is that as, as I read the New Testament, it tells us about how should we help other, the people that are possibly weak. As Paul wrote to the church at Galatia, he said, carry each other's burdens and this way you will fulfill the law. Of, if there are people that are struggling, we get alongside and we help them. And of course, as we were exhorted last week about, you know, the, what would Jesus do in this situation? That's what Paul says to these people. He says, don't stand up for what, you, what your rights are. Think in terms of what the Lord Jesus Christ did. He didn't stand up for his rights. He came from heaven, died on the cross and paid the price for our sin. And so we need to come to that point of understanding that we need to be seeking God and asking the Lord in our lives about how we live our life and, and what, does he, what does he want us to do. And sometimes it's not easy to work out what's the most appropriate way to behave in a particular situation or a particular place. But it's probably, and sometimes it's, you know, the, if you're just a young Christian, probably being, you know, well, what should I do and what I shouldn't do is probably easier to follow at times. But eventually you're going to have to come to that point where you say, what does God want me to do? What would please the Lord Jesus in this particular situation? And so that's what Paul was saying to these people here. Don't stand, just be there just standing up for your, your rights and I've got a right to, to eat meat. I've got a right not to eat meat and, and sort of causing division and causing dissension within in the church, within the church community. And that's what was happening. So he says... Paul goes on to say to her, everything was written in the past was written to teach us that through endurance and encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Paul reminded these people that they needed to be determined to go on and to live for God and that they, they're, they're in, they could be their encouragement and their in, and in, in, in endurance and encouragement was given to them ultimately so that they, would, they knew that, that the hope that they had was that ultimately they were going to spend eternity with the Lord. And so he's saying, hey, one of the things that you can use as your guide is, is the other scriptures. And he's, he's referring to scripture here because we know that all scripture is God-breathed. It is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All scripture is certainly given by inspiration of God. And of course, Paul reminded when he spoke to the church at, at Corinth, as, they, as they, he was talking about things, that were, he said, he goes back to the Old Testament and said, there are certain things that happened. And as you go back and as you look at the, the Old Testament stories, you can see and learn lessons from them. He says, these things happened to them for his examples who are written down as warnings for us whom the fulfilment of the ages has come. Saying, saying, hey, in the Bible, there are illustrations of things that have happened. And that we can learn lessons from the scripture. And of course, one of the things is, you know, 
that the scriptures give us stories about all of the different events that have got, got happened and different things that different people encountered. And we can learn lessons from them. And so he's saying, hey, God was the source of, can give you endurance and encouragement. And he's the source of hope. And that they can be secure in their position in him as they look to him. And of course, the, the Jews, you know, were the people, the very people through whom God had given the scriptures. And so Paul is going to weave all of this, you know, he's going to be referring to, to scripture a long way because they were the people that had the Old Testament. And it tells us in Romans chapter 3, he'd even said to them, you know, first, you know, tells them that first of all, they were entrusted with the very words of God. They were the people through whom the scriptures came, the Jewish people. And so you need to be listening to what the scriptures say. And so he's going, to, he's going to, as he goes on and as he talks to them, and we'll come back to that right at the very beginning of my sermon tonight. He's saying, hey, you guys were the ones that got the word of God. And you need to be listening to the word of God. And, he, and, and he, as, as you go on in this passage, he refers to lots of the passages. But so in verse 5, he says this. May the God who gives endurance and courage give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ here he is he's praying for these people say hey what I'm praying for you guys is that you're going to be united together you need to be you, you need to stop this fighting amongst yourselves and you need to start working together and I'm praying that God will you the God who gives you endurance and encouragement will give you a spirit of unity so that you will be united with one heart and one mouth. In other words, what you're thinking and what you're saying to, is going to be in unison. You guys need to be pulling together and working together and you need to be of one heart and one mind. And you don't need to be pulling in one direction or another. One of the things that happens if you're in, in this, this church, that was there were two different groups of people that were sort of at, at no, I don't know they were always at one another's throat, but there, was there were tensions there. If you're fighting amongst yourselves, are you going to get out and preach the gospel? Obviously not. All your energy is going to be put into trying to prove your position, one position, the other posi one position against the other. And rather than getting on and sharing the gospel, you're going to be there, you, get, you know, sort of occupied with all of this, trying to, you know, well, the Jewish way is right, no, the Gentiles way is right. And then it's not a, it's a lose-lose situation. And so here, Paul is saying, hey, you need to be... United together. One commentator I read said this, he prays that God who teaches his people endurance and provides encouragement for them through these writings may grant the oneness of mind so that he may be glorified by the united witness. God wasn't being glorified by what they were doing. Now Paul is saying, hey, I'm praying that God's going to be glorified in the way that you live your life. You need to be not pulling in different directions you need to be working together you need to be using the energy that you've got all your spiritual energy to get on and to serve God and to work together in with one heart and with one mind because you know the passage we looked at 
earlier in the, a few months ago in Ephesians said this be completely humble and gentle be patient bearing with one another in love make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace he was in to this church he was saying you need to be one heart and one mind and of course sometimes when people are arguing their point it becomes personal doesn't it instead of looking at the issues sometimes it becomes more an attack of one person against another rather than arguing the issues and I've seen that happen even in all sorts of situations where people rather than talk you know sometimes it's an issue but it, sometimes it can get very personal I don't know whether it was got to that level here but we've got to guard against that haven't we because one of the things that was happening here was this church wasn't it was distracted it was off you know they're sort of trying to prove one side against the other and instead of getting on with the job that that God had called them to do they were there preoccupied with this and so in verse 7 I put under this the fact that they needed to have real genuine fellowship with one another it says accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God for I tell you that Christ has become a servant to the Jews on the behalf of God's truth so that to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs so that Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy as is written therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles I will sing hymns to your name he's talking in terms of first of all he's talking to the the Jews then he's talking about the Gentiles if you if you go on and you read through from verse 10 to verse 13 you'll see a, there's a whole what really Paul is saying here, say, what you Jews, do you realise that God promised that there were going to be lots of Gentile Christians? God, it's been predicted. And, and you go through those, the verses that referred in, 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 in through, not through 9 through to 12, you'll see that there's a number of verses from the Old Testament that are quoted. God, look, God promised that this was going to happen. God, this has been God's will that these people should be converted. It's, been, it's God's will that they should be part of the church. It's God's will that you should be brought together in one church. And what is happening here in this church is what is from God. And he's using the scriptures to argue it. And of course the Jews who had their trait tradition about you know, the, knowing the word of God, the word of God had come through them, that they'd been the recipients of the word of God. He'd already referred to that earlier on in the book. They needed to have genuine fellowship where they accepted one another just as Christ had accepted them. And that's true of every person here who knows the Lord Jesus Christ has been accepted by him. He's forgiven our sins. He's brought us into the family of God. We've been born again. We belong to him. We're part of the same family. Now one of the things true, isn't it? We can choose our friends, but we can't choose our relatives, can we? I'm a family of, I come from a family of nine children. I've got four brothers and four sisters. We don't always get on. We're brothers and sisters. We're, we're part of the one family. Now I could, you know, as I was, and I, as I was growing up at times, I sometimes wondered about whether I really wanted to be related to some of my siblings but I am 
And it's true in the church as well, isn't it? We're all, and that's what was with these people. We're all one family. We've got to learn to, get, to, to give and to take and to get on with one another and to serve God together. And we need to recognize that we that not lose sight of the fact we have a responsibility to one another to support one another, to care for one another, to love one another. And we need to be serving together to reach out to the community and to share the gospel with the, the people around us. And so Paul was making it very clear to these people. Certainly, we can't change the people that we are, can we? We can't change the, the fact of the, my experiences in life and what, the things that have moulded me and shaped me to be the person I am. But one of the things I can do is that I can ask God the Holy Spirit to take over my life and to, change, and to help me to deal with the issues that I need to deal with so that I will be walking more closely with the Lord. And that's what these people had to do. That The Jewish people had to be prepared to acknowledge that they needed to act in love and forget about some of these rules and regulations that weren't really part of the gospel. And the others who had the attitude that, an attitude from the other side that maybe looked, that made, may have even made fun of the people with all these rules, it also had to stop doing that sort of thing and needed to be showing real love to them. And it's as we prefer one another and as we look, you know, seek to love one another and to accept one another, because Paul said in, in, in just with verse 13, which I'm just going to finish with, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That was what Paul longed to see happening in these people's lives. And I'm sure that's what God wants to see us, that we may, be, he may fill us with joy and peace as we trust in him so that we may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Lord, we want to thank you that you're a great God. And you understand every challenge that each of us are facing. You understand everything that's going on in our lives. And you know that some of us have got different ideas about things. And yet we're part of the family of God. And we need to be seeking to live together and to serve one another and to support one another and to build one another up in love. And so help us to do that throughout this coming week. Help us to live lives that are going to glorify you and be to your praise and to be your, to your glory because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.